0: My dad used to say, you're cruising for a bruising. Well, let's just say my guest this week, Alex Espinoza, has utterly redefined the word cruising for me. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hi, this is Alex Espinoza, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony.
2: And I'm the Drinks with Tony Show.
0: You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Alex Espinoza. Alex was born in Tijuana and raised in a suburb of Los Angeles. He's the author of Stillwater Saints, The Five Acts of Diego Leon, and his latest book, Cruising, An Intimate History of a Radical Pastime. And that comes out on June 4th on Unnamed Press. Alex hi how are you good it's good to be here thanks for having me Tony I had to have you oh my god okay so we got to talk about cruising right off the start I learned so much I was just my eyes are open so what did what did you learn well first off (laughs) that I gotta stop wearing my brown hanky and my back
1: red pocket hanky code right you didn't know anything about the hanky code before
0: yeah, I actually have heard of it. Um, There's a there was a kind of a gay biker bar in Los uh, in uh, San Francisco that had punk shows on Thursday nights. So everyone would laugh at me for going to the Eagle, and they'd be like, "Where? Watch out where you wear your handkerchief." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah, and so that was it was. So I kind of learned a little bit, but, but let me tell you, your book was just your book was an education beyond belief.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that. Um, my, my you know my. My hope in, in writing the book is to, um, I guess, dispel a little bit of the, the myths and the taboos associated with this practice, um, to sort of shed light on on uh, the history of a practice that I think has, has been um, uh, necessary and absolutely crucial, I think, for many gay men in order to safely explore their sexuality. Uh, and when we say
0: and when I mean when and let me yeah. let me put words in your mouth and you tell me I'm a piece of shit and that's wrong, but when you say safely, you mean you mean you're talking about at times when you, this was like an arrestable offense, right? Yeah. Right. And, right. and where people could
1: not express themselves, so they found ways ways to do it. Yeah. So I shouldn't say safely. I should say anonymously, yeah. um, because the yeah, there's 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 danger in terms of. You know, public nudity or being exposed. Uh, so, you know, the men that that do this do it at great risk. Uh, for you know, they run the risk of being arrested if they're caught. I
0: George George Michael, George Michael. which you brought up in your
1: book. Yeah, George uh, George Michael, and, that, and that's a really interesting um, uh, uh, um, experience there. Uh, sort of a, a you know a, a cultural moment, and that something that would have normally, I think, ruined. Uh, anybody else's career, George Michael was able to to take this opportunity, you know, uh, and and use it and write a hit song and a video and and sort of, you know, it was his it was his his moment, and that's when he sort of came out of the closet, right? Yeah. So he really used it as a moment of empowerment, and and I think more than anything, what I wanted to do with with the subject of the book was sort of take a little bit of that and recognize these, these renegades who have for, you know, despite, you know, rules and laws prohibiting the act have still managed in one way or another throughout time to, uh, experience it and to continue to practice it. Right. Yeah. It blows my mind. And, um, (laughs) smash
0: cut here, but you're, you grew up in La Puente. And my other favorite homosexual Latino out of La Puente is Kid Congo Powers. Do you know him?
1: No, there's another one? I didn't know that.
0: Yes. I thought I, thought I was the only one. Oh, no. There, no, no. There's more. Are, are, did you, are you serious? You thought you were the only yeah,
1: one? Yeah, I didn't know. No, I, 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 you know, yeah. I, I'm, I know I'm not the only one, but I'm, I'm right. sort of half joking. But that's cool. No.
0: Yeah, so he was a guitarist for the Cramps and the Gun Club. And then he was in Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And now he's in Kid Congo Powers and the Pink Monkey Birds. And they're coming to town like next month. But I, I adore him. But yeah, he's from La Puente. I, it's, that's I just, I had to smash cut La Puente in there because I knew exactly what you were talking about because of Kid Congo Powers. That's amazing. I'm gonna have to check him out. Yeah. All right. Now I just threw us both off. That's <laughs> okay. Um, the. But what was it? So I mean, at because you this is like in the the 80s essentially. Yeah, in the 80s. 80s. Yeah. Yeah, in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. And and this is in a suburb of Los Angeles, which I you know geographically wise, can you kind of take us into what the um what is it like in La Puente? Is it that kind of uh, is it a like kind of uh, what do you call it? You know those normal suburbs where this where gay cruising would be just absolutely looked down upon and or was it a...
1: Well, I think, you know, I think for all intents and purposes, my, my experience is growing up, we're very suburban, uh, as much as they could be suburban. We were brown, we were working class, but we tried uh, to um, live that very typical suburban lifestyle. So growing up, you know, when I first started exploring my sexuality... I didn't know that these places existed, I didn't know that this history was, was there. Yeah. It, it wasn't until I had my first sexual encounter when I was um, very young and I was sitting at a bus stop, which I, I mention it uh, in, the, in the book, that uh, this world sort of cracked itself open to me and suddenly it was almost like there was a honing beacon, uh, you know, that all these other people, these other men sort of started being attracted to me. And that was something that I had never experienced. I grew up feeling very, made to feel very ashamed of my not just my sexuality, but my disability. I, I have a, a a mobility impairment on my right arm, uh, and also my alopecia, where I started losing my hair. I I felt very, very, very insecure about myself and my body. Throw Catholicism in there, and oh it gets really fucked up, right? And then this was the '80s, yeah. so everybody was afraid of, like, you know, nuclear holocaust and AIDS, and so there was just. I grew up under this, you know, this environment of just pervasive fear all the time, and the idea of sex and sexuality, we had a really warped sense of it. I, I guess everybody does grow growing up. I still do, I think. Right. But our, I mean, it it was it was taken to like that you yeah. know. Uh, to the extreme in in this in, at this moment at this point in time, uh, when you had the, the the collisions of of so much popular culture starting to, for lack of a better word, invade our household. So you had like MTV and you had you know uh, you know cable television was was sort of starting and and suddenly we were being exposed to to all of these other outside factors and and I was I was perplexed by it all because I you know my my brothers. And and their friends were very macho and they were very straight and they were very heterosexual. But then at the same time they liked culture club. Right? They liked Boy George and they you know, and so there was there was this really weird dichotomy. And I was trying to make sense of it all. I was trying to understand how being gay worked and being straight worked under this this environment. And and at the same time, without much information,
0: because this is the 1980s. This isn't like a now where you can look online, where you can find, where it was e- where information was easily accessible. And especially in a suburb, it's just like there's no signs going. You know, there's no, no. posters going. Hey, if you feel this way,
1: no. you come talk about it. There was this. I remember there was this book. We used to shop at Jemco. Do you know Jemco? Jemco was like a. Um, it was almost like a like a pre-Sams or pre-Costco. Okay, okay. It was one of those places where you needed a card to get in. Oh, yeah. It was like a membership department yeah. store, and they had everything. It was like it was one-stop shop. They had you know bed linens and like electronics, uh, groceries, and. and did, did you ever get cruise in the, one of those? In one of the the stores. maybe. I'm going to ask you that at every location you give. I'm going to be like, did you do it? We're going to talk about locations. So so, um, there was this book, I remember. They used to sell books, and there was this um, book about, like, questions. It was about, like, about sex, about, you know, puberty, and and there were drawings, and there were pictures in it. And that was kind of my first taste of, like, pornography, right? And it was suddenly this very, uh, it felt... You know I knew that I was doing something wrong, but I liked it. I liked it a lot yeah. uh, and uh, it was it was really uh, it was kind of just I was oddly curious about it and you know growing up i was I was never I was never led to believe that someone like me could be sexual or sexualized because of my disability and you know, because of the fact that I was the youngest of 11 and always very sort of handled with care by my family, okay. um, you know, the, the opportunity, sex and sexuality and attraction and boy, girlfriends even, that was something that was not part of my, like my, my culture, my family was telling me that that wasn't going to be part of my experience, right? Yeah. It's almost like It was, it was, it was almost like I was, I was being groomed to be asexual
0: that's it that's, that's intriguing because um, do, do you think that kind of nurturing that maybe they should have uh, backed off a little bit and just let you be or uh, yeah I think so I mean I, I'm just I'm just coming from like a disability point of view and you know where it's just like if they just would have left you alone left you be and just didn't treat you like you were different Like,
1: like normal right. yeah I, I think so but I, I I don't think my my mother especially had the capacity to be able to sort of understand that right so so her 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 response to that was to over uh, parent and plus you know my father was you know my father was an alcoholic and he drank a lot and he was sort of out of the picture Um, so my mom sort of took it upon herself to really sort of rear me and and so I grew up with these really very kind of polarized views of what what gender and what sexuality were. Because, on the one hand, I was seeing my mother, right, dealing with a lot of the, um, the issues that, that, that were associated with my father and his drinking. And, and she was, you know, very traditional, you know, Mexican woman who believed that her daughters should, you know, get married, should tend to their husbands, should not be out in the street running around. So I learned that while at the same time watching my brothers. You know date girls and go out with their friends and get drunk and party and and my mom not really saying anything to them right so I grew up with these two very opposite polarities in terms of sexuality and gender, and there I was sort of caught somehow in the middle right and you know I always I always knew that I was attracted to men but I didn't like that it wasn't articulated as attraction it was there was a desire to sort of want to see another man's junk right like I just I I remember specifically as a kid like just not even wanting to like do anything with it but just like look at it right which which is such a I mean
0: I I remember the same thing where you know because I I grew up in a fucked up religion as well where it's just like where um where all I wanted to know was what was underneath the clothes. Yeah. And I wouldn't know what to do with anything, but boy, if I could just get a yeah. look. And when you talked about drawings, it's just like even seeing drawings, I would just be like
1: totally turned on going, wait, I'm turned on by that. What is that? You know. Yeah. And and I just was curious. You know, I, I began to really um, sort of be attracted to the, the male physique. And, you know, my early teens, like I, I didn't know... I didn't, I didn't know how to articulate that. I didn't know that that was what being gay was. I just knew that I liked it. And then it wasn't until I got a little older that I began to sort of put two and two together. And this was when, you know, like a lot of talk shows, like the talk shows were really big in the 80s. So you had like Donahue, you had Oprah, and they started really introducing, you know, this idea of of, of homosexuality and of, you know, um, transsexualism. And, and, and so that was when I started really putting two and two together. And... And then the message that was being telegraphed then in my family was, well, that's wrong, right? And and um, you know my brothers would make fun of you know gay people, and there was a a brother of one of their friends who was very effeminate, and they you know kind of poked fun at him uh, behind his back, and so that and then and then you and then AIDS started becoming really prevalent, and we started hearing about this disease that you know could kill you, and especially gay men, and so that. Yeah, and at the time it was kind of known as the gay disease, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah. yeah, and it would, you know, and and it was the only, it was the first STD that could basically out you, right? Because back then, if if you had AIDS, then there was a good chance you were gay. Um, of course, we saw that change over the years, but but in the, those early years, you know, and it was scary. We we, you know, I I knew that I liked men at that point. I knew that I wanted to experience. You know, have sexual experiences with with men, but I was afraid at the same time. But I was still attracted, and and I think that that's one of the things that I, you know, also hope to explore in the book is the fact that despite all of the um, the dangers, uh, this is a pursuit that we still, you know, engage in, right? Uh, and it's it's happened, and it continues to happen. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of how. I guess I, I you know I started I mean my first like I said I mentioned that first sexual encounter at the bus and after that there were several others that occurred and and it was strange because I'd been operating in this world the whole time right I I'd sat at that bus stop multiple times I'd used that bathroom in them all multiple times I and nothing had ever happened and suddenly it was happening and it's it's like this it's like peeling back the the you know uh the fabric uh and exposing just a small opening and slipping into it uh that you know and 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 that's why i think i liked when i look back on it i like books like c.s lewis's the lion the witch in the wardrobe because there's this idea that like you open a wardrobe and there's this other world that you can slip into and 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 lose yourself and i think I think suddenly that, that idea became very enticing to me. Um, and I, you know, I sort of fell into it. And, and when, when I was older, you know, my friends and I, all of those of us that were in the closet, that were Latino, that were, that were um, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, very Catholic immigrant uh, parents, we found our escape in, uh, like, the clubs of West Hollywood. Like, going to West Hollywood. That was a big thing for us. This was out of high school.
0: and, and oh, This was out of high school? Yeah. So you, so somebody had a car to get you there? Because yeah. that, that was, like, the thing with the suburbs. Because I grew up in the suburbs yeah. of San Francisco. It wasn't until we had access to the first kid who had a car. Then yeah. we could go to San Francisco. Yeah. So then you were able to go from La Puente to West right. Hollywood.
1: Right. And I you know, I had a car when I was pretty young, uh, probably about 16 or 17 Uh, but at that time I didn't have gay friends, I was still in high school and then sort of towards the tail end of my high school, in the beginning of my sort of young adult was when I found these, I had these friends there were several of us, there were maybe like five or six of us and you know, between us we we had cars, so we had ways to get there, but I, I remember going to West Hollywood during that time and being absolutely petrified, because you know, my friends could you know they were cute they 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 knew how to dress they didn't have any issues with their bodies the way I did so suddenly I'm in this like you know Mecca of gay debauchery these clubs in the late 80s and early 90s and everyone looks like you know um, they just stepped out of a her Britz picture right like and and I felt just so insecure Uh, I used to wear a hat to cover my my bald spots, and then I always wore long sleeves. So I was always sort of in the background, right? Nobody wanted me there. Nobody desired me. What's interesting about being in the background is that
0: breeds good riders, because we observe, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, it it was... I felt very awkward. I felt very... uh, um, Not very sexual um nobody ever wanted to dance with me or you know uh, get my phone number the way they did with my friends and so you know the space that was supposed to be a space for my own understanding of my sexuality and my, my my liberation a safe space was anything but right and so I, I really didn't like the whole gay club scene during that time so I I found solace in the in the anonymous hookups, yeah, you know, know, in the bathrooms and in the parks and uh, all of those places where clandestine sexual exchanges occur, and it's and the commute was a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, a little easier because you can go to a department store and, you know, but back then you had to wait, and now you know it's a little more convenient with apps oh, uh, sure. that that kind of changed the. But you know, you could you could go into a department store, or I remember standing there was a the the bathroom of a, of a, of a movie theater uh, when I was younger and I remember just standing at the urinal pretending to pee and just you know just waiting and seeing who, who's, who shows up and what they pull out right and and I was just amazed by it and, and I wanted to experience it and I think cruising and, and, and hooking up and all of that provided me an opportunity to safely explore my sexuality and to realize that you know, I had something that men wanted, and it didn't matter whether I was disabled or Mexican or rich or poor, or whether I had her or not, all they cared about was what was below my waist, and, um, and then I became very popular. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was power there, and it was, it was intoxicating. And then,
0: you know, and then there's the people that are like, oh, man, that poor kid. He must have prostate issues. He's way too young for prostate issues at the urinal for that long, you know. (laughs) And now we're like, now we're at the urinal. Like, as we get older, we're at the urinal longer. And we're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not cruising. I
1: really have. I'm really trying. I'm trickling. Yeah. Or you see or you see guys at the urinal now, like with their phones out. Right. Checking their, And that's really that's. Oh, that's a tell. Yeah. Maybe. Well, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're just checking their email. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be embarrassing? It would be. So you're like, hey, so, um, you know, what have you got there? You know, I'm just updating my Facebook status or something, yeah. right? Uh,
0: so essentially the, um, the, the moral of that story is don't reach first,
1: ask. Yeah, just ask, politely ask. Or, or just, just make a casual glance. You know, a casual glance will do and, and see what they're doing with it. Now, um,
0: so I, I love how I love how your book is very intimate on your experience, as well as giving the history of it all. It just—I mean—I learned so much, and at the same time, you dive into—you you had to dive into your—I mean—previous self, essentially. Yeah. What was that like, just going back and kind of reliving those experiences and the writing process?
1: Can I curse on this?
0: Can I? Say oh, you yeah, fucking hell! Just. <laughs> Just dig in, if you and and if you have and you have to scream, scream. Just let me know, and I'll pull the mic back a little okay. bit. No,
1: it was. I have to say, it was scary as hell. It was yeah. pretty fucking scary yeah. to do that. Uh, but I knew, I knew, I had to. And I think one of the um, one of the wonderful sort well, of. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I, I hate to interrupt you. So
0: um, I love that you said it was scary as hell. Why now? What was it that got you to get over? knowing that this was going to be utterly scary but you had to write it anyway
1: Olivia and Chris at unnamed <laughs> really
0: so did you yeah. did you already have um, parts of it written and they worked and you were like oh god I can't go there and they're like no you have to go even deeper yeah,
1: that's what they they said no you, you you really have to and and you know and I was you know, I was talking about how you know this practice you know provided me an opportunity to to really um gain confidence and they said well that's an interesting twist we really need you to to explore it and the book you know there was it was such a it was such a short deadline um, that I was writing nonstop, and I really <laughs> the, the blessing in disguise is that I really didn't have much of an opportunity to really think about what I was writing right I didn't really have much of an opportunity to um, put too much thought into the the, the 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 content and and how it was going to be put out there because i was just i was just writing for the deadline that i i would write and i would send it off and then they would edit it and and i i thought well you know I'll just worry about it when it comes out i really didn't have much of an opportunity to dwell too much on it so it's not even out yet so you're not even worried yet right yeah yeah, and actually, actually, Olivia and Chris did did cut some of the in the editing process. We did cut some of the more explicit scenes, actually. Oh, okay. um, what, uh, what was the reasoning to cut that? Was it just to keep the story kind
0: of? Yeah. It threw us out of story a little yeah, bit.
1: I think it's just to tighten it. Uh, maybe there's some redundancy. So, so there were, you know, there were more um, uh, instances and moments where I'm a little more forthcoming uh that's I am. that's going to be in the dvd extras yeah. original yeah that'll be in the unrated um <laughs> version the the, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you said it for
1: me yeah the director's cut but yeah no they you know they, we i really didn't have much of an opportunity to think too much about what i was putting down which was a good thing because otherwise i never would have done it yeah. i can tell you i never would have done it so now that you've done it um and I, I as
0: has your family read it or is it is I mean are you are is there worry there um, yeah you're, you're, you're laughing so I know there's a story here I'll just stop and let you yeah. go no there's there's a little
1: worry but yeah. but so
0: that so the, do, but they know it's coming out
1: yeah okay. yeah I think they do you know whether they know what the content of it is or the subject is another story but you know I'll t- oh, wow. I'll tell you a funny story that um you know my uh I was at the LA Times Book Festival and I was moderating a panel. You know, uh, the LA Times Book Festival is always held at USC. And I, had, I, I knew that... It is essentially the only place where every writer in LA should
0: be on that weekend in April. Yeah, it's just, if you're not there, you, you're not
1: a writer in LA. I don't know who you are. Um, so there I was, moderating this panel, and I looked out in the audience, and um, I see my nephew. And I knew that my nephew was a student there, but I hadn't talked to him or, or his father or my, my brother in, in quite some time. And so suddenly my nephew shows up and I hug him and I'm, you know, it's so great to see you. It's so, I'm so happy to see you. Was this before the panel began or after? You? It was during when I realized he was in the audience. It was during. So did
0: that throw you off when you were on panel?
1: No, no, it was, it was actually, it was actually surprising. It was very nice. and. You know, I've I've always done this thing where I've tried to. Um, I've tri- I'm sorry, I was just checking that guy out. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> we're at the alcove, and we're kind of,
0: what's really funny is we're right by the bathrooms, and there's it's, <laughs> no, it's the
1: women's bathroom. There, there's a, the men's is right there. Yeah, um, and there's some really nice looking men here, um, including like look at the murals. It's like hunky. That's like a hunky cowboy. Look. You see him? Mean, He's shirtless.
0: Yeah, I hadn't shirtless. noticed, uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that that that's kind of a that's kind of a like kind of a
1: aggressive stance there too. Yeah, right. it looks kind of very a um, uh, Bruce Weber. Um, uh, that sort of that you remember those ph- photographs or, or Tom of Finland, you know those drawings of like black and white pictures of, of drawings of men like really muscular and like you know wearing oh, yeah. jock straps and, and so anyway.
0: I'm getting all off. Right. Point. all right yes because because yeah because yeah, we're on a really good story here yeah. So, yeah. Like, what's funny is that men are distracting you as you're talking about something that's probably a huge like moment for you where, where you almost want to be distracted sometimes it's because right. uh, it's emotional it's
1: emotional yeah. and so my nephew shows up and you know I've always tried to keep sort of my my literary and professional career uh, separate from my family uh, just because I felt like, well, I've never really you know, Explored issues of sexuality in all of my work This is the most overt one, though And so I've always, you know I've always sort of kept them separate Just because I always feel like I need to explain what I do to my family And it's awkward So, my nephew shows up And he's standing there And we're talking, and he introduces me to his boyfriend And I didn't know that he was gay And, and, and it was the, the great thing about it was that it was no big deal to him right it was just he's like this is my boyfriend and and of course i'm crying i'm like oh my god this is so empowering you you know i hate it for so long and you know i felt like i and then they're just like great like we're so glad to see you and it it was it was nothing to him and and then it turns out that his brother's also gay yeah and and so you know they and they they know about my book and my my nephew and his boyfriend met on grinder and so there's this very different, I think, cultural awareness that this generation has uh, that, to me, was really refreshing and really empowering and also was kind of validating in terms of the subject matter for this book because what I thought was so personal and, oh, my God, shocking, this new generation probably doesn't think it's a big deal,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. right? Yeah. And so, so then I, I, you know, I call in a question, like, why was I freaking out then? But uh, yeah,
0: well, we were in a very different time then. But it's it is it's it's uh, it's just so cool that 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 you get to see that because you didn't get they they don't have to do the same struggle. They could just live their lives, and it's just like oh,
1: and this is part of my life. That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, they're perfectly they're perfectly content being who they are, and 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 they you know they just well wait wait a second. They're perfectly content. See, I'm not content at all. (laughs) So I want to find out that. They seem happy, yeah, yeah. which makes me happy, right? Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm I'm sort of like doing my, my sort of, as an the, the old gay uncle, like I'm like, yeah. you okay? Do you need anything? You know, do you need? Are you struggling? No, we're yeah. fine. Can I ask how their dad is with the? You know they they told me that they told me that he seems to be okay with it. Um, they said that their their mother kind of struggled with it a little bit, but but she's um coming around. And actually, she was the one that told my nephew about my uh you know my panel at the book festival that had nothing to do with the cruising book but 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 she knew that i had a book on cruising coming out so uh she told my nephew you know my nephew actually rather my nephew said you know she's really trying to understand and and that's good you know i think that's fantastic and it and i applaud her but yeah i was surprised that they said my brother was, was was pretty cool with it
0: that, yeah, that's cool. So, have you talked to your brother since then? Or? Yeah,
1: actually, I saw, I saw, I saw them at, at my nephew's graduation. Oh, cool. And um, you know, Kyle, my partner, couldn't come because he was working. But they, know, you know, they know about him. My nephews made sure to tell my brother and 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 my sister-in-law, like he has a partner, <laughs> you know, like in case you didn't know already. Uh, so, so you oh, know, that's intriguing.
0: So they don't even know that you're in a long-term relationship with someone. I think
1: they do, but it's like we've. You know, it's, it's really weird in my family. Like, it's one of those things where it's known, but it's never really been proclaimed, right? Like, you know, you know and, and it's not your traditional... I think that a lot of times the, the traditional sort of coming out narrative that we've uh, sort of ascribed to ourselves to or grafted on is a very sort of white gay narrative of, you know, I'm coming out, this is who I am. And Latinos, it's a little different. You know, some of us may have those experiences of, you know, I'm I'm coming out, I'm making a big show of it. And, and some of us are just, it's just a slow sort of seeping yeah, yeah. in, right? And I, I think that's been the case with me. And so, you know, everybody knows, but I've never really sort of acknowledged it. Not because... I'm afraid to, but just because I feel like there's really no reason to. This is who I'm with, right? And so that's kind of how it's been. And it's, it's been nice because my, I know that my nephews, I think, are very proud of me. They, I think they see that their uncle is, you know, very uh, semi-normal and is not, you know. Well, it, he's, a writer,
0: he's a writer, but yeah.
1: That's a whole other thing he's not bad, you know, he has a job, you know, a mortgage, like there are things that I have that I think they they can now point to and say, well, that's, my uncle is in this 20 year relationship and he's perfectly happy and maybe I can have that too. So, so there's, there's a lot of comfort in that and, and um, it was a, a very sort of happy and unintentional consequence of this book that I didn't expect, which made me then realize like, why didn't I write this shit sooner? (laughs) What was I waiting for?
0: Well, sometimes because I I understand writing the scary stuff. And sometimes I think we have to be ready. Well, it's not even like we have to be ready. It's just like that scary thing where it's just like, oh, crap, I have to write this. This is the last thing I ever want to write. And then then it comes out and people embrace it. And it's it's just like for me, when I wrote about my growing up uh, Jehovah's Witness and everything that kind of went through there. Um, I was so ashamed of it. And then everyone was just like, oh, wow. And it was it was just beautiful. Yes, I was completely cut off from a ton of family members yeah. and all of that. But the blessings on the other end were just like, this outweighs everything. It's yeah. just, it was beautiful. Yeah,
1: And sometimes it's the thing that we're most, uh, you know, and I, I hate to sound corny, but like it's the thing that we're most afraid of to write, that we need to write. Exactly. And that's usually what I tell my students too. When, you know, when I, I teach creative writing, Fiction or nonfiction, I always tell them that that thing that you're afraid to yeah. to to write about or encounter that's 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 where that's where your good material is. Yeah. But it takes so much to get us to that point, and and you know I have to tell you it was it was Chris and Olivia were absolutely wonderful. Chris and Olivia, unnamed, were just great to work with because they basically they said to me like you you need to write that and yeah. and and we need to read it and our readers and people out there are gonna respond to it yeah. so they really I mean there was some you know much-needed validation uh, uh, on their end uh, when it came to writing that and I felt a lot safer writing it uh, and so you know I have to give them a lot of credit for that I, I don't think I would have I wouldn't I would have written it otherwise I just would have sat there wow. right that's, that's fantastic I'm, I'm, I'm happy you
0: got you hooked up with uh, Unnamed Press Yeah you used the word hooked up too <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, glad, I'm glad you were in the urinal With Unnamed yeah.
2: Press
1: So but I want to I ask What did you learn about cruising uh, despite the, uh, Aside from the hanky code right. So here's what I learned uh,
0: so you know, because I was a virgin until I was like twenty-five. I didn't even I didn't even see a, a naked vagina until I was twenty-five, 25. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's what I learned: is, damn, if I had access to like the ladies like that at a young age, I think, I think I wouldn't be as mentally disturbed now. <laughs> I think I would have been able to get a lot of uh, things out of the way. Yeah, I, yeah, because uh, yeah. that, that just. I was trying to, I was trying to like frame it as what what I was going through at that time, and you know, well, at the time, I mean, I couldn't even express anything because it, if you expressed anything, then you were brought to the elders. You know, it's like can you, you explain c- what you've done. Oh, and then you can be shunned, and you, it's like you couldn't even masturbate. There was a chapter in the book for kids called "Masturbation Leads to Homosexuality." Yes, that's what I grew up with, and so I was really gay but I wasn't gay but according to the Jehovah's Witnesses if masturbation leads to homosexuality I'm going straight to hell for homosexuality
1: now, could you imagine if that was right could you imagine like all of the gay people that we would have in this world oh yeah I know everyone would be gay everyone you just have be to be gay yeah yeah it would be, the, the straight people would be the sort of abnormal different ones right quote unquote so I mean as a reader I bring
0: you know as as all readers do they bring their own rel- yeah. they bring their own experience to it so I brought my experience to it and I was just like Man, if I had that access, that would have just—that was like everything. I, I was—I was praying to Satan to tempt me when I was like 15, I, and then I would pray to Jehovah after going. I'm so sorry for praying to Satan. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's like—it's that kind of sounds like being Catholic. Yeah, kind of yeah. the same thing. But yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the thing about about cruising is, you know, the you could be you could be shopping at a department store yeah. right and um, not know it but there's a bathroom chances are there's a bathroom a men's bathroom in that department store where guys are getting it on yeah
0: I didn't know de- I, I hate like when I used to be married I hated going shopping I hate going shopping I didn't know there was so much sexuality in shopping I love
1: going shopping <laughs> but not for that I mean not necessarily for that reason only but but yeah I mean it's it's you know, for some reason, um, Macy's bathrooms seem to have uh, attract uh, a lot of uh, men cruising. Like, It's specifically Macy's for some odd reason. So Macy's is a sponsor of Drinks with Tony. Yeah. So if you want to
0: cruise, go to Macy's. And also there's a White Flower Day sale.
1: <laughs> mattress sale, right? We're about the mattress sale? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Free financing. Yeah. Don't forget to go to the bathroom.
1: Get a mattress pad though to protect the mattress from any spills. Right? Oh,
0: is that what it is? No. <laughs> oh, see now you're going beyond me. Now I'm going beyond
1: you. But yeah, no, it's it's Macy's Macy's specifically Macy's department store bathrooms are are uh, sort of a a, a, a beacon uh, for um, the proliferation of, of cruising spots in the men's bathrooms. Um, Uh, bathrooms in uh, university campuses on campuses Um, of course there's the good old outdoors at Griffith Park and you know the uh, Griffith Park is like it's the the main sort of it's the it's the the main spot in LA for uh, cruising it's been around for a long time John Reshi wrote about it um so and it's still you know it still it still maintains that reputation
0: Oh, and you know and you brought up something else in your book uh, about cruising is the movie cruising with uh, Al Pacino yeah. now I couldn't watch R-rated movies when I was growing up so all of a sudden I found out about Al Pacino and The Godfather and Scent of a Woman so I had to go to the library and watch every single Al Pacino R-rated movie and I watched cruising and I was like you know it was it was just like he's such a sexy young man in that movie yeah. but i I didn't Understand the movie, then later, as I got, I was trying to learn more about film and stuff, and just how fucked up the filming was because they didn't even know the end of the film while they were shooting it. It was, it sounded like the whole story was just a mess. Yeah, just, just, um, they, yeah, when they don't know the ending and they're shooting, it's like, are you kidding me? You're still rewriting the ending, you know?
1: Yeah, it's a really weird movie, and, and it's terrifying for a lot of reasons, you know, uh, you know, the, the fact that it's, um, you know, it, it, Paints, you know, uh, gay men as these sort of murderous degenerates going out. Uh, it's scary for that, and it's also scary for the fact that you see Al Pacino dancing, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's terrible. Who wants to dance with me? <laughs> and then he takes a hit of poppers, right? I mean, it's like it's so bad. It's such an odd movie, and
0: did you have to? Re- did you have to Because uh, re- I haven't seen it in years. Did you have to rewatch it when you were? Uh, I,
1: you know, I, I, um, I watched it for the first time. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, because I was, you know, I was t- talking to various people, you know, when I was what I was uh, researching, and several people said to me, oh, "Have you seen the movie Cruising?" And I said, "You know, I, I think I've heard of it, but so um." I never watched it, actually. It wasn't until I was writing this book that I watched it, and it was so disturbing. But you know the backstory about the, um, okay, so, you know, this was, there's another hot guy right here, look. I'm sorry, that's just like, you planned this, right? You had these like, totally like, okay, for your listeners, there's like a really hot guy in a tank top and shorts, standing right by the men's bathroom,
0: and that's why that's why I'm facing the wall because I'll be I'll be uh, what do you call it I'll, I'll be totally discombobulated with all the ladies walking by it's so so I'm like let, let let's give Alex the, uh, the the scenery
1: and it's very nice scenery so you know there was there was um, when when Friedkin was uh, working on The Exorcist there's uh, a scene in the movie where uh, Reagan uh, Linda Blair's character is um, she's getting a brain scan and um, one of the orderlies he actually he used actual real like nurses and orderlies and and, um, texts x-ray texts in that scene and one of the uh, texts is a young man who it turns out was a serial killer and was gay and he was going around and he was murdering all of these men that he'd cruise and, and pick up in bars in New York, right? So you watch the movie and and uh, I, he's a guy that he, he actually has a an exchange, a dialogue exchange with Reagan. Um, he's he's like they move her from one from the the bed, like the gurney to the to the table. Um, but he turned out to be this this murderer, and Friedkin found out about it afterwards, and that's kind of what inspired him to. To do this movie, and and you know to and it was huge controversy over it, the depiction of, of gay men as you know these murderous degenerates going around killing each other and and it's a very very disturbing problematic film, um, uh, you know, um, if you decide to watch it, I would say you know watch carefully, <laughs> watch at your own risk because it is I mean it's not it's not graphic in terms of the the sexuality or anything. Uh, but there is, you know, there are a couple of scenes that are pretty disturbing, and, and, and sort of what it hints at is is incredibly problematic, and also it didn't, it came out at, at, at a really crucial time, and this was the early 80s, and this was right when the sort of, you know, uh, larger American culture was beginning to understand the, 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 the prevalence and the position of, of the gay and the LGBTQ community in, in, in America, and... There was sort of some attempt at accepting, you know, not like perfect, but there was some attempt at, at sort of. You were starting to see more a mainstream uh, uh, um, presence of, of gay uh, community and culture uh, in America, and then this movie comes out and totally shatters that uh, and demonizes the gay the gay community and the LGBTQ community in a way that I think that was really detrimental. Uh, had it come out you know at another time it probably wouldn't have had that much of an effect but it really was something that damaged
0: yeah early 80s i just i, I mean i remember my dad saying crazy stuff about san francisco and don't go you know i mean i couldn't even wear like you know it's when i was a kid he's just like be careful of what you wear because that's designed by homosexuals and you know this is being drilled into my head yeah so it took it took a long time for me to even admit that i grew up jehovah's witness and then i and then i as I started to get, like, gay friends, I used to go, oh, my God, I used to think you were going to die at Armageddon, but you're not. You're not. I'm so stoked. So it was was almost like my coming out of, like, oh, my God, I used to have this horrible belief system, but I got out.
1: I was so excited. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's like, religion really fucks us up, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah, it's... um. I mean, even my a lot of my friends who've grown up
0: Catholic, you know, and, I, and we talk, we we share the same experiences, especially the the sexual, um, what do you call it, the um, the shaming of sexuality. No matter what, they were, you know, even my lady friends were totally shamed. Yeah. As you know, or it's just like, just relax, everybody. Let people be. Like you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah and I think that you know it's it's, you know, it, we yeah we have a tendency to sort of carry a lot of that guilt uh... and that guilt sometimes can manifest itself in very dangerous ways um, so you know my the, by and large the, the the um interviews that i did with several of the men uh... for this book all expressed to some degree or the other a sense of guilt or shame uh, and um... And, and 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 tying that to religion, right? To you know, I, I spoke to one who grew up in a very uh, fundamentalist Christian background, and um, thought that uh, his first encounter was with a a man in a bathroom stall uh, at a uh, I, when he was in college. It was the, the bathroom in the bookstore um, at his college, and um, he jerked the guy off. Uh, and later he was worried that he would get AIDS you know he'd never never had an encounter with a man before he was always told that being gay was wrong and he grew up in this very Christian fundamentalist household and and he was petrified right because he, he jerked this guy off
0: they, and the, the thing you should have worried about was how the pages of the book are going to stick together nice. that they that they jerked off on.
1: Or, or cleaning up afterward, right? That's always a problem because the toilet paper doesn't absorb a lot. <laughs>
0: it's, but I think it's great that you bring this out there. I have other. Are, are there other? Oh uh, no, back. I'm, I had like another question in the back of my mind. It just came came to me.
2: Okay.
0: Um, so you go into the history of it. How much did you dive into this research, and then were you surprised by the research of, you know, kind of the cruising and over the centuries?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I think that that was one of the, the the you know the one of the pleasures of, of writing is always the research for me, and and for this it was really it was really fascinating to to chart the evolution of a practice that by and large it's sort of in one form or another we can trace back to ancient Greece and Rome right and you know you have you know the 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 um you know the advent of the um molly houses in 18th and 19th century uh England you know those are the sort of the pre-gay clubs uh where men would go and would you know dress and drag and and could stage you know marriages and be with each other and then some of them had rooms in the back where they could go and they could mess around and then they started getting raided. the, the historian Richter Norton writes about the history of the Molly houses and these are things that I you know knew very little about
0: uh so I knew nothing and I read your book and I'm like wow
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's really really fascinating and and then there's the, you know, that, from that to, you know, I, I talked to an artist, uh, Danny Houdigie, who is a dear friend, who became a dear friend through, through the process of writing this book, because his, he's a visual artist, and his work looks at, um, uh, he maps former uh, bathhouses uh, throughout uh, Southern California using the address book, the Damron address book. Uh, so he and I you know, met up a couple times and talked about his work and you know, he was kind enough to show me his studio and to talk about his process and you know, we became really good friends and that was a, a wonderful surprise. Uh, I spoke with you know, a gay rights activist in Uganda uh you, you know
0: who and, what, and what's what's the um what is it like in Uganda I mean is it is it really is it almost like I, uh, anyway what's the yeah. culture of gay life in, Logo, in Uganda I mean
1: it's almost impossible to to hook up you know to have any kind of you know random hookup
0: I mean and, and, and as far as being gay is it is it like uh illegal yeah. almost or?
1: yeah I mean it's it's you know it's a it's a question of life or death I mean you could be arrested and killed so my, my my conversation with him was really uh... you know um, uh, enlightening and you know i was amazed that you could have a, a thriving and supportive gay community under such hostile uh... uh conditions um, you know i i spoke with a uh, another artist in russia who uh... documents the um, the cruising locations in russia uh, yeah. There, they're called pleshkas, Uh-oh. and usually a lot of the the um, I like, oh, I like that term. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and there in, in Russia, a lot of the, the 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 places where guys hook up, the cruising spots are located <laughs> near. And this is like too good to be true. They're usually located near old monuments of like former Soviet uh, oh. leaders, like Lenin yeah, yeah. and uh, Stalin, because those are usually in parks, yeah. right? And they're accessible by train, so you can you know take a train, get off, go to a park, get off, right with someone, and then skedaddle like you know leave quickly, uh, unnoticed. Um, apps like like Grinder and Scruff and uh, are really changing um, the culture of cruising. And I think you know in countries like India, countries that have very stringent anti-gay laws, it's it's really dangerous. So. There have been. Uh, I sp- I've spoken to some people where you know they've they've um, shared with me encounters where they've known people that have been arrested when they've hooked up with someone that turned out to be an undercover cop. Or so uh, a lot of the apps are really you know uh, we're looking at at um, questions of, of privacy uh, with the proliferation of apps. So a lot of men are are putting their lives at risk in these in these regions. Yeah. So a lot of them avoid them, um, but, but this person that I spoke to in Uganda said that the way you hook up with someone there is you have to have a very tight circle of friends. And it's usually, you know, you hook up with someone in that circle. So you don't go out of it. Because if you go out of it, you run the risk of hooking up with someone who could be an undercover cop and you could end up arrested or dead. And in
0: order to get into that circle, you need two reference letters. Yeah, you need a-
1: exactly. You need like it's like a like, careful vetting process, right? So, and it was it was it was really you know uh, it was inspiring talking to him, uh, just because it, there's a lot that we take for granted. You know, we're we're living in a you know relatively free society. Right. Um. You know, compared to some of those you know those countries, and so it was really eye opening to me. To think, you know, man, I, you know, I thought I had problems growing up, and here's this whole community that you know, has to really be careful about who they meet up with, because it could, it's a question of life or death.
0: Um, so now, as a divorced dude who has, has had unsuccessful relationships, uh-huh. um, what, what is your secret to having a successful relationship of 20 years with your partner? Oh, man, he came with the hard question at the end. You did,
1: you did, you did. What is the success? You're like, wait a second, this isn't about my book. <laughs> but I think it is. No, no, that's a hard question, though. Um, good sex? No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, that, that, but actually, that, that,
0: um, that, that is a part of it. The, yeah, the
1: intimate. Part. I think it's, you know what, I think it's, I think it's, um, and, and this I could tie back to the book is, it's effective communication right it's you know uh, yeah. Cru- when you cruise it's all about it's all about communication and it's it's communication not through words but through gestures and movements right a good solid 20 year relationship like mine is is built on on communication on being able to you know to telegraph information to be honest about it <laughs> to never hide your intentions uh, to be true to who you are and, 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 and what you hope to become. Um, I really cherish and value my relationship with my husband. I think when I first started out, when we first started out, uh, we met online, actually. And this was 20 years ago, right? Wait, wait what, was the, what was the platform that you met on? It was GeoCities. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Talk about throwback. It was ALL chat rooms. No, it was this website called Gay.com. And it was a big website. And you know back then I mean if you said to someone you met them if you said to your friends that you met someone online it was kind of a taboo right it was kind of like a little sleazy now if you don't now if you don't meet someone online they're like wait a second you did it wrong yeah. Yeah. we were kind of like trailblazers right yeah. so we would tell people back then and they were like really like did you think he was gonna be like a serial killer It's like yeah but he was hot <laughs> so what are you gonna do um and and you know we we met online and and um we uh, where
0: is that going with this? Oh, we were talking about um, we were talking about your relationship with your husband, and then okay. and then how you met. So we we went back to how you met, and you said okay. you met online.
1: Oh yeah, we met online. Okay, we met online, and, and you know I was I was not as um, uh, versed in the the uh, experiences of um, gay relationships at the time. I hadn't been in a long term relationship. Um, All of my relationships at that point had been random hookups with guys, right? Uh, And he'd had uh, boyfriends. He'd had relationships. And so he was a little more experienced. I came into it very, very, very sort of naive about what a gay relationship was. And I think in a lot of ways, I was applying these very uh, straight, heteronormative, rules, to right, and, and we, a lot of us do that, it's like, you know, I'm going to meet this person, and I'm going to this, and we're going to be married, and we're going to be happy, and we're going to and I, you know, I just it didn't work, it didn't work and for a long time I thought it was me, and, and then I, I came to realize that it's like, you know, we're, being in a gay relationship, and a lot of times the rules are very different, and um, you know, there's sex, and then there's intimacy there's, there's sex, and then there's love and, and it took a long time for me to understand that, and by understanding it, I think I, it gave me a better sense of, of the foundation of that relationship that's still you know 20 years you know, and you know every day I, I find something new about him that I love right and I, I didn't I never thought that I would have the capacity to be in such a long-term relationship, right but it's about communication I think it's about communication and it's about also, understanding our, our our shared history as as gay men, as LGBTQ people, and that a lot of times, the sort of dominant narrative that we apply to relationship is that straight nuclear family, like that narrative, and it doesn't work for us. It, it doesn't work for straight people, right? So why should we expect it to work for us, for two men with you know penises, right? Like I mean, how do you not that not that like a, it's genitals or a tri... Or I'm bad. I shouldn't be saying that.
0: I, 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 it, it makes sense because it's just... After after the rush of the of the sex, then all of a sudden you're in a long term relationship. Yeah. Then it's just like, okay, now how do we communicate further yeah. and keep this going? Yeah. And it, and I always find that just such a lovely thing, especially when people can go 20 years. Yeah. it just it blows my mind. I always find it just beautiful. It's kind of what I want, so yeah. I just I sit there and I go I look in awe, you know. Yeah,
1: and well, I think and and also you know, like we we just understand each other um you know we 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 took our time with each other you know when we first our first date we didn't even have sex like and that was it was kind of like and again i don't know how different it is now but but back then if like if you agreed to meet someone online and you said yes i'll go over to your place chances are you were gonna end up naked right you were gonna end up like having you know sex and seeing each other's naked bodies and just like hooking up and leaving right so my partner and I said you know we want to do this a little differently because we both were like we'd, we'd done that at that point you know we'd done a lot of it and so we were both like let's, let's just try something different just let's go on a date right so, so come over and um, we'll see what happens right he ended up making me tea we sat on his couch and we talked and then I got up and I left, and you know we hugged, and he gave me a very awkward peck on the cheek, and then that was it. And so we we, I sort of but we both we both I left, and later on he told me that that after I left we both had this feeling of like, what was that, what just happened? See like there's another hot guy. Look at that. Jesus. Um. Anyway so um we sort of were like but what, what was that it, it was nice though
2: yeah.
1: right and so that that's how we sort of started our relationship yeah. and and uh, to this day i think we, we both look back at that and we sort of smile and giggle and um not to say that that you can't start a relationship with you know first night you, you know out with a bang right but for us we sort of were of the mind that let's just try it differently let's just see what happens and I think it's important to take risks, right, um, in relationships. I, if, you know, I, I took a risk in chatting with this guy and and talking with him briefly on the phone and then agreeing to go meet with another hot guy. Like, he's cute. Um,
0: we should just have a number rating system. It just, just when they walk by, just go, that was an eight. Okay, that was a four and a half.
1: Yeah. I wanted them to take their shirts off. Um... <laughs> I'm so bad. Kim, look at that. Jesus. I'm so sorry. I'm such a I'm so bad. Um
0: and, and and part two of this is we're gonna be uh cruising uh we're gonna walk around Los Feliz and rape yeah. men.
1: Oh yeah, rape men. Um But um I just love you know the male physique is just beautiful to me in all, all forms, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be like perfect or whatever. Like, Oh, yeah. no, not at all. Not Cause at all. I'm chunky monkey, man. No, no, not at all. It's, it's, it's all about the whole package. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't do anything intimate for a long time. And, and, uh, and that
0: maybe that was even more intimate because you were, there was a getting to know each other on a soul level.
1: I think so. I think so, but but you know, I came into it with a very sort of adolescent notion of of love, you know, and and um, you know, you can't look at anybody else. You can't, you know, you can't. I don't want you having pictures of your ex boyfriends around. I don't want you. To, I mean, I was a real jealous little pain in the ass. Yeah, and you know, I I realized that a lot of that was because I had grown up with this notion of what relationships were supposed to be, and they were all notions that were based on straight relationships not gay relationships and gay relationships are different so um, yeah years later, we're still we're still going you know strong
0: yeah which is great um, congratulations on the long-term relationship and the book I'm st- I cannot wait it comes out on June 4th, June 4th. J- yes Alex thank you so much for coming on the show man
1: thank you that was fun let's do it again <laughs> Alex
0: Espinoza, everyone. Check out his book, Cruising, An Intimate History of a Radical Pastime. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and I'll see you next Wednesday.